everybody and welcome to a new episode of Evie's Korean Drama Podcast Show. My name is Evie, I'm your host, and I am a K-drama obsessive. So this is the show where I waffle on about all of the K-drama that I love. If you'd like to support the show, you can check out my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Evie Korean Drama Podcast. There you will find extra podcast episodes and updates on what I'm watching at the moment. Also, just before I get started, please be warned that I do swear a little bit on this show when I get excited. And when I'm talking about K-drama, I always get excited. Alright, so I thank you very, very much for listening and let's get on with the K-drama show. Today I am talking about a Korean drama that is kind of a little bit older now. Um, It actually came out in 2012 and it is called Queen Inhyun's Man or also known as The Queen and I. Um, I know it as Queen Inhyun's Man though. I think that's kind of the main name for it. Um, So this drama is a, I want to say you know, it's a fantasy, it's a romance fantasy. And what it is, is a time slip drama, um, time travel drama. It is also, it is beautiful. (laughs) It's, it's a really, really charming, moving, emotional show, but it's also very light and fluffy. And like the romance in it is just like electric. It is just one of the best romances I think that are out there in K-dramas. It's so good. And this couple like have mad chemistry. It's, they're just so good together. So Queen and Hyun's Man is only 16 episodes, uh, came out in 2012, like I said. Um, basically, the kind of general plot is, you know, a man from the Joseon dynasty keeps popping forward 300 years and turning up in present day Seoul or, you know, Seoul of 2012. <laughs> and he, you know, meets this actress and they fall in love and uh, things get pretty tragic at the end, like actually quite heavy. Um, but in this really like achingly romantic way that at the start of the drama, it's all just like light kind of fluff, I suppose, from her sort of storyline, you know, an actress gallivanting around wearing really cute clothes and just being like fucking adorable all the time. Um, And quite serious on his side, like he's in a serious saguk and she's in like a modern rom-com. But towards the end of the drama, when the stakes in the romance get really high, um, you know, things get just, you know, like star-crossed lovers kind of epic. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty fucking awesome, actually. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, I guess, so this one stars, well, actually, I think I just wanted to mention, um, the people who wrote this one, um, have also worked on a few other really famous kind of dramas with, I wouldn't say similar concepts, but kind of like for instance nine nine times time travel goodness um which is quite 
I haven't actually seen that drama, but I've heard really good things about it. And again, it is a time travel kind of a thing. And also W Two Worlds Apart, which is a 2016 drama that is obviously, you know, quite famous. Um, and the other writer even worked on another drama called Jewel, which was like, you know, high concept kind of stuff. So I think they're very maybe genre focused, um, these writers. I really think they did a wonderful job with Queen and Hyun's Man. I know that a couple of fans, I remember at the time that it came out, there was a bit of an uproar that some people felt like the ending was a bit of a cop out um, in terms of, I think, the fantasy rules that the writers had set for that universe. But personally, I don't agree with that at all. Um, I loved the ending of this drama. Um, I've watched this drama multiple times and it makes me cry every single time, like bawling at the end. Um, I am going to tell you guys a spoiler now in case you haven't seen it. It is a happy ending. I just want to tell you that um, because I keep going on about how tragic it is. It's tragic because it's beautiful and because they have to go through hell, but they go through hell to be together. And there is this really beautiful, satisfyingly romantic ending that I just freaking adore. It's so good. Oh, and um, so this drama stars the actor Ji Hyun Woo as the main male lead. Um, I don't think I've ever really talked about him on this podcast before, but I am a big fan. Um, when I saw this drama, it was the first time I'd ever seen him in anything. Um, he's, you know, he's super, super tall and quite, you know, broad-shouldered and big, and he's just, he grows on you. But I do think, I do remember the first time I watched this show, you know, when it starts off and they sort of introduce him, it kind of took me a while to kind of get used to him. And after, I, I think it might be at the end of the second episode or something, there's this, this point where he kind of manages to find the female lead again, and he's come forward into the future and all this mad shit has been happening. And he kind of finds her and he gives her this massive grin and it is so goofy and I just I think that was the moment I was like oh okay I get why this guy is the main male lead in this drama he is he's very very endearing and he just grows on you more and more throughout the show until by the end you really do view him as an amazing romantic lead um and you know a bit of a swashbuckling kind of hero um he's just really really good in this so um I've watched Jihyun Woo in quite a lot of dramas since then. Um, I think I really sort of, you know, would take note of stuff that he was in after this point because I really loved this drama so much and loved him in this drama so much. Um, so heaps that I can remember, um, but just off the top of my head, there was this mad drama that came out quite a long time ago, probably before Queen In Hyun's Man, but I saw it a lot later, called Invincible, what was it? Invincible Kyung Pyung or something? Um, I don't know, maybe I'll talk about it on the, on the podcast at some point in the future. It's a real old drama, so it's a bit creaky and old-fashioned, but he stars in that. And to put you off further, um, it's a golf-centric drama about, um, you know, a rich Chabel guy, him, who um, is trying to run a golf resort. And, you know, I know everyone's different. I know everyone loves different things. But I find golf, like, that's not my thing. <laughs> I think it's really boring. Um, if you love it, that's really cool. Um, we all love different things and that's excellent for you, but it's just not for me. But this drama, Invincible Kyung Pyung, <laughs> whatever it was called, um, I loved it. 
Like, I loved it. Um, I think it also stars Nung Sam Mi, who I really love, an actress who's really good. It's one of my favorite roles of hers. And it's just like the dumbest rom-com you'll ever see. And yet, oh, and yet I loved it. Um, the romance is very, very bickering and it just, I don't know, it latched into me. Um, of course, that's not what I'm talking about right now. I'm talking about Ji Hyun Woo and his other dramas. So there was that drama, the golf drama, as I forever know it as. He also has sort of a starring role, but not really in a really wonderful drama called Angry Mum, um, which is Jisoo's breakout role drama. Um, that's definitely one to check out if, if you're interested. It's very, very good. Um, and I also saw his comeback. So after Jihyun Woo got out of ARMY, he did a drama called Trot Lovers, um, which I can't remember the actress's name, but I love her. She's not really in a lot of stuff. She was in a drama called Sassy Go Go. Um, I really, really like her and she does amazing singing, singing in this drama called Trot Lovers. Trot is like a form of popular Korean music from, um, I guess, the olden days, which is very uniquely Korean and beautiful. Um, um, but that drama wasn't fantastic, I have to say. And the weirdest thing about Ji Hyun Woo is um, when he got back from army, you know, he got his he got his teeth fixed. <laughs> this sounds really strange to be talking about, but um, in Queen In Hyun's Man, Ji Hyun Woo has the most amazingly goofy smile and mad crooked teeth, and it is very, very endearing. Like it is really excellent. Um, and I just found that when he got back from army and he, you know, fixed his teeth and I just don't know, he's like a little bit less charming, um, than he was in Queen In Inhyun's Man and his other older roles with his, his mad crooked teeth. Maybe that's just a total personal thing. I don't know, but that's just how I felt. I, I love him in this drama. He's so good. And I love him in a lot of other dramas too. Uh, the main female lead in Queen In Hyun's Man is played by the actress Yu Inna. Um, Yu Inna is like, I think she should be like 20 times more famous than what she is. She is charming as hell. Um, she's so good in this. Like, she is unbelievably cute, yet she has this raspy, lovely voice, and you know, she's just excellent. Like, she carries this in terms of just oozing charm like she's so good and her character in Queen and Hyun's Man is just you know just so instantly likable like I can't imagine anyone who didn't like this character she's so good um all right so I'm gonna tell you guys a little bit just um a bit of setup on what the story is about and then I've just got a few things um that I particularly wanted to talk about that I like about the drama Okay, so the general overview of this drama would be the main character, played by the actor Ji Hyun Woo, is called Kim Bong Do. So Kim, Kim Bong Do is an amazing character. I really loved him. So he's a dude from the Joseon dynasty. He is a very serious guy, but not like overly annoyingly serious or anything, but he's just... He's so intelligent and he's so quick and he's very, very smart, but also very good at martial arts and stuff. But he just has none of the arrogance at all that 
usually, I suppose, comes along with being so good at things um, and being so handsome and being so perfect in Korean dramas. You know, normally male leads, whether they're Joseon set or modern, you know, if they're handsome and they're good at shit, like they'll fucking let everyone around them know to the point where they're literally saying, I'm really handsome. Um, this guy, Bungdo, is a very, very different kind of hero. Um, and I think, you know, in a lot of ways, like he's a proper hero, you know, like proper, proper, I think. He's just, he's so calm and contained and yet he solves every situation. Um, a really, really wonderful example of what a different and unique kind of man Bungdo is. Like he's, he's the, you know how you always talk about the difference, in, particularly in romance or in heroes between reality and fantasy. Like fantasy land is drama land. And I love to watch, you know, watch all the Korean uh, main male leads be heroes. Like I love them. Usually, realistically, if you really think about it in real life, you wouldn't really want to date someone like that. Someone who, you know, is a little bit possessive and a little bit jealous and a little bit arrogant and actually thinks that they know everything and has all that swagger. Like, it's not what you really need in your life. I think you need someone who respects you and um, listens to you and never tells you what to do or tells you not to wear that thing or not to, you know, go out and talk to other people. Um, <laughs> so Bungdo is the kind of guy that you do want in your life, like in actual real life. He is a nice person. He is thoughtful. He is clever and he is prepared for any situation. And when he falls in love, you know, he treats her the way that he should. Um, so, you know, he's perfect basically, but he's not He's not perfect like uh, like normal. He's very unique. So my big example of the kind of hero that Bungdo is, is um, so he's from the Joseon dynasty. He's, I don't think he's like super, super high class, but he's certainly within the Yangban class. His family, however, has been struck down and probably wrongfully accused of being traitors. They've all been tortured. He's been tortured. He's lost everybody in his life, including his pregnant wife, which again, very, very interesting for a Korean drama to, for him to have this backstory and a previous love and everything. Um, uh, but he's still trying to, I guess, you know, there's sides at the moment in, in his kingdom. And I'll go into that sort of history because it is based on a real point in time with real, um, you know, noble characters and all this stuff going on. But basically there's a huge coup and he's, you know, he's trying to make sure that um, the people whose side he's on survive it and also that he doesn't get murdered. Um, and then at the point when he is about to get murdered during a fight, um, in which he tries to save himself using a book, and the author in me quite likes that scene. <laughs> um, Bongdu pops forward 300 years into the future and turns up at the exact same spot as he was in back then. And the way that this drama's time travel works is that it's kind of like, um, I guess, both time periods are moving at the same time. So um, their dates correlate. So you ca he can't pop into the future a day earlier than the last time he popped into the future. Like the dates really move at the same pace. So time is passing in both places. Um, so when Bungdo does turn up into the future, he turns up in 
you know, in the palace in Seoul. Um, and there's a load of people and they're filming a drama. And obviously he's dressed in a way that makes him look like an extra. So he doesn't really get harassed when he's just walking around staring at everything. And I feel like this is the kind of scene that gets used a lot in time travel dramas. And usually it gets used as comedy. You know, you'll have someone being like, oh my God, what's that? Oh my God. And just reacting to everything in a really over the top way. Um, in a really funny way, usually like, um, the one I'm thinking of particularly is a movie called, um, what's it called? John Lucci. Oh my God. I've forgotten. It's got Kang Dong Won in it and basically plays a wizard from Joseon dynasty. And when he comes forward into the future, it's fucking hilarious because he doesn't know what cars are and he doesn't know what anything is and buildings are. But Bongdo, he's such a contained, intelligent man that when he gets there, he just stands there and he's basically expressionless, but you see his eyes flicking towards all of the different things and he just takes them in and everything he's seeing, he's learning, you know, that it exists. He's examining it. He's wondering what it is. And even if he doesn't know, he stores it away. So he's so calm, which means that every time he's faced with a new situation, he just very, very calmly either figures it out. And if he can't, just stands there until he can. Um, and it's, it's just a really different approach to the whole time travel thing. And I really, really loved the way he kind of only needed to be shown something once and then he could do it. He was learning things all the time, but I, I just really liked how I guess how calm he was. It just, it's really a unique approach. And I think it tells you everything you need to know about his character because he's really like this all the time. He's cool and collected. And I really, really like that about him. Um, so he pops into the future and he comes across a young woman played by the actress Yu Inna and her character is Choi Heejin. So Heejin is an aspiring actress who has just managed to land her first lead drama role. Um, she has a lot of baggage because she has this mad ex-boyfriend um, who's trying to win her back. She's also, you know, at the beginning of her career, she's wondering if, you know, her ex-boyfriend, who's a really famous actor, has given her a leg up or not. Um, she's trying to fend him off all the time. And now she's met this this truly odd person, Bungdo, who's he just tells her straight out that he's once he figures it out really quickly. He's from the past. He tells her that and he asks for her help. And he is so utterly intriguing that although she's like, clearly he's insane, she also cannot help but want to help him and want to know more. She just is interested. She's so intrigued by this man. And I think very taken by him, like almost immediately she's like, Whoa, who is this? <laughs> Which I really liked. Like, I love that she's so, you know, clearly attracted to him, not just his looks, but who he is and how he acts. Like just immediately she likes him. And I, I really like this about her personality and how forward she is about that. So she starts helping Bungdu figure out things like he wants to know 
what's going on in the past. So they go to a library together and she shows him how to look up the records of his time period. And he sits there and he figures it out like straight away. He's like, well, this day correlates to this date. So right now, back then, this is what's happening. And he gets to read forward in future in the, into the future, into his timelines future. And, you know, realize what's going to happen with the plotting against the queen and these assassination attempts. And he, you know, is able to see his own death, which, you know, isn't that excellent, but um, that's a different part of the, the drama. So Heejin is there with him. And as they're leaving, you know, she kind of gets accosted by all these people and she keeps, I guess she kind of plays that role of the slightly arrogant. Um, she's so charming, but you know, she's kind of, kind of telling him how beautiful she is all the time. And she really wants him, I think, to be as, you know, arrested by her as she is obviously by him. But, you know, Bungdo is Bungdo. Bungdo is a guy with a mission and a plan and a lot of responsibility back home. So he is very... I think, you know, he's very busy, I suppose. He's very focused um, and he does, I think, quite immediately find her... A little bit cute though like you know she's she's just oozes charm so I think he certainly is aware of that even though he's a bit too busy to be as like obsessive as she is immediately but there's this wonderful scene you know where they're coming down this glass elevator in the library and um, you know she thinks he's going to go back into the past by this point Heejin kind of believes him because of the things she's already seen and she thinks that she'll never ever see him again. And so she just tells him that in her world, this is how they say goodbye. And then she grabs him and kisses him. <laughs> and he's so shocked. And she just kind of pretends that's how it's done. And she's so like frazzled and embarrassed, but also quite pleased with herself. And I just love how forward she is. I love that when she wants something, she's just like, all right, I'm going to do this thing. And it's so cheeky as well, um, the way that she treats him. And of course, he immediately finds out that she was bluffing. And, you know, all this teasing begins. It's just, I think this is the kind of show, like, you know, when I, each time I watch it, I think it takes you a little bit to kind of sink into it. And for me, that's because Heejin's storyline as a modern actress is immediately just so much fun like it's so bright and fluffy and breezy and she's just so good and you just love her she's the kind of person you're like I wish I knew her in real life like I just want to hang out with her she's fantastic she's beautiful to look at um, and I just love her raspy voice and how cute she is and adorable she is while still being you know this very elegant um, put together woman as well um, I have no idea what I was just saying. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Ewan is so lovely. <laughs> she does that to me. Um, no, so her st storyline in this drama, like it's so immediately wonderful. But I think Jihan Wu's storyline um, as Bungdo is it takes a little bit longer to get into, or at least it did for me. And I think it's because when kind of put up against and compared and cut back and forth between this really cute fizzy storyline, his is very serious you know it's him doing political stuff and talking to political guys and being very serious about not getting assassinated and trying to save this queen from also not getting assassinated and it is really interesting but it isn't as immediately sort of a fizzy in your face like make you pay attention um so it takes a little while for I think you to really 
care about him in the same way that you immediately care about her. Um, and that's what comes down you know, for me, it was that moment with the big goofy, you know, crooked teeth smile that I was like, oh, okay, now I get it. And then the second the drama puts the two of them together and starts giving you more scenes of them together, I mean, within the first maybe three episodes, I think it is, um, it's very light on them having scenes together because they're literally living 300 years apart. And when they do meet up, it's very, very brief at the beginning. Um, but I think maybe it's from like episode two or three onwards. Um, they have a lot of scenes together and their scenes together are fire. They are so good. Like their chemistry is out of this world. Like they carry the entire show with just how adorable and charming they are and how immediately you sink into their romance is quite incredible. You know, I talk so much about K-dramas and how much I love the slow burn, you know, like a really slow, maybe they bicker at the start and they don't realize they like each other or maybe they're friends or, you know, just these kind of things where it takes a long time for the characters to get their act together and get to know each other. And it's by the point that they know each other that I feel really deeply that yes, they're in love. What's the drama? like this it's romantic right the second they're near each other and you totally buy that she's intrigued by him and that she likes him and that she thinks he's you know really fucking hot like immediately you buy that and you you totally sink into it and I don't know how to explain it, but it's just immediately romantic. Like, I don't need a really long slow burn with these two. Like, it's just straight away. Yes, smush them together. <laughs> Show them kissing. Like, it's wonderful. And it's so romantic. Um, so all their scenes together, and there's a lot then, and I think they just really carry the show forward. So I think that's really the setup. You know, the setup is um, Bungdo keeps coming into the future and he's trying to figure out his past problems and he's really using the future to his advantage. Like for instance, um, he gets exiled to Jeju Island Well, he pops into the future and he can get a plane back to Seoul. And then he gets back to Seoul way quicker than he should if he had to fucking walk from Jeju Island back in Joseon dynasty times. Um, and of course, he's also seeing that um, he can read the, the history and know what's going to happen so he can thwart certain plans and do certain things. And meanwhile, you know, Bungdo and Heejin are absolutely falling in love. She's the only person that he knows in the future. And every time he calls her, she comes running because, you know, she's totally into him and she's absolutely not hiding that fact at all. Um, and so they spend a lot of time together and then obviously their relationship is changing, um, which is very difficult for Bungdo because, you know, this isn't his time. It isn't his world. And he is you know, he's very invested in his own world and in the political landscape and in his kingdom and in what he thinks is right. You know, he's very invested. So it, it causes issues. Um, so now I'm going to talk. I mean, that's really what the drama is about. And it goes on from there. Um, I'm going to talk a bit about all the things that I like. Just mention a few of them. So here's the stuff that I love about this show in no particular order. Obviously, Bungno as a hero is gold. He is just charming as hell and just fresh and different and unique. 
Um, Heejin as a character, I feel the same way about her. She just feels a little bit different. She's certainly not a passive heroine. Like she is a go-getter and she's very out there with what she wants and the way that she acts and the way that she reacts with Bungdo. Like she really is the instigator of them really truthfully and that is again refreshing and charming and I really really liked it um as I mentioned before uh their chemistry is just amazing um the other thing that I think this drama is actually quite famous for is the way it portrays their relationship as well as it develops and as they truly fall in love and as he begins to, you know, really try and figure out how this is going to work. Like, can he stay? How would that be? Like, is he allowed to stay? Um, and so as their relationship becomes, you know, very solid and real, um, you know, I guess it's very positive in terms of, you know, they kiss like real human beings kiss, um, like in a proper way, <laughs> not in a, you know, shocked kind of, ah, oh, frozen plank of wood K-drama sort of way. So I really, like their kiss scenes are amazing. And I think the show is very, very famous for its portrayal of just really beautiful, romantic, um, swoony kisses. Um, that show them both actually, you know, moving their mouths and kissing like real people do. Um, you know, it's also got, you know, like a sex positive angle in terms of their relationship. Like they're both adults. They've both clearly had sex before. They're both allowed to do that with each other. They're in love. Like it's all very, you know, it's a mature relationship that is played out in this really beautifully romantic unfolding way. So I really like all that stuff. And it's weird that that stuff can feel so fresh, like in K-dramas, because I mean, realistically, all K-dramas should probably be a bit more like that but I guess I don't really know why because there's a lot of um, k-dramas that you watch that are about adults but the way that they treat their relationship does sometimes feel a lot younger um, because they're inexperienced and I don't know it's kind of an interesting thing with k-dramas but maybe that's something for me to explore a different day um, what I'm saying is I loved it I love the way their romance unfolds um, so a really interesting thing about this show for me, I think, is that it does start off with particularly Heejin's storyline, but every time they're together, it is rom-com central. Like it is gorgeous and it is light and it is fluffy and it makes you smile the whole time that you are watching them. But as the drama progressive uh, progresses, the stakes get higher and higher and they really get it's intense. And so the drama really evolves from being a rom-com into being something so deep and emotional and moving. And in a lot of ways, it becomes a tragedy. It's a tragedy with a happy ending. And I think that's what makes you know, it's heart achingly sad at points, like absolutely no, no people that love each other should ever have to go through what these two people have to go through in order to be together. But I mean, I think that's what makes their happy ending so completely and utterly satisfying is they go through hell to get it. Um, and the kind of hell that they go through is like, you know, time travel related and memory related and just it made me cry like 
every single time makes me cry and then the very last scene where they find each other again makes me just bawl but like with relief with utter relief that it's worked out and for me like that's amazing how how darkly emotional and romantic but in a tragic you know star-crossed lovers kind of way this show ends up being compared to I think the light cuteness of how it begins like it's it's clever writing is what it is um their romance is just you know the storyline itself has been written very very well Um, So there's a few other things I wanted to mention that I think are very cool about this show. One of the things that I think is really, really smart is that Hyunwoo... Um, so, <laughs> Ji Hyunwoo, the actor, traveled through time. No, that's not correct. So Bungdo how he travels through time is there is a young woman of his own world who is a Gisang um, who basically is completely in love with him and I find this this part of the story for me is utterly tragic like it's not Bungdo's fault that he doesn't love her back and I don't feel like he particularly uses her or anything like that but I do think that it it hurt my heart that she loved him enough to you know over and over be willing to sacrifice her life or sacrifice her safety for him but he didn't feel the same way like and that's you know that's totally not his fault but it really hurt my heart and it really made me think about that thing which I've mentioned on the podcast before about Gisang characters always having to be so tragic and never getting a happy ending and never getting their own love story like because they're Gisang they don't deserve their own romantic you know happy ending story um which again brings me back to you know this this would be another drama that would have been a huge influence to me um in wanting to write my own book series each starring a Gisang who does you know go through hell but then in the end get the happy ending that they deserve and the romance that they deserve. So that's my promise series. And basically, you know, this drama and this little tiny side character, Gisang, who pours her heart out to ensure that Bungdo lives, you know, so fucking tragic. Um, and also a very similar kind of character, side character Gisang in Gu Family Book, which I've mentioned before. You know, these are the kind of roles that just made me want to write those books in the first place. Um, so those are my Promise series books, um, Promise Season and Promise Thief. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know why I get so hooked on these side characters, but I do. It just, the injustice of it, like, it's huge to me, like, why this poor girl can't live. It's so sad. So anyway, uh, my point is that this Gisang girl, so she used to be a maidservant of Bungdo's late pregnant wife who has died. And instead of keeping her on, she has moved on and become a Gisang at a Gisang house. And she loves him and they still see each other every now and then. And he, you know, if he's got something secret that he needs help with, she'll help him. Um, and so what she does is she's very, very worried for him because he's getting into some very, very dangerous political situations. Um, and she gives him a talisman that has been drawn up by some monk, like some mysterious monk in some mountain. And this talisman is what protects him. So when he is on the verge of death, as in someone has literally shot an arrow through his heart or stuck a sword in his throat or whatever the fuck, um, he just blinks out of existence and pops into the future. 
Um, not unscathed. Like if it's a killing blow, it, it doesn't get him at all. He disappears before it arrives. But if it's a, like a slicing, you know, blow to the shoulder or a little wound to the leg, like he turns up with those, like he turns up a lot bleeding all over everything, which is like horrifying and scary, uh, particularly for poor Heejin who has to witness this terrifying thing on multiple occasions, poor girl. So I really love the fact that Bungdo has to die to time travel. I think it is such a clever writing tool. You know, at the start, it is, it's a, it saves him. You know, it is a, this amazing miracle that every time he dies in the past, he pops into the future and he's okay. And then he can use the future to his advantage so that when he goes back into the past, he can do things that he never would have been able to do. But as the show progresses and Bungdo more and more wants to be in the future with Heejin, the fact that he has to die to get there becomes a bad, terrible, awful, scary thing because it involves Bungdo choosing to die to kill himself to get there which is hefty right like there must be this point every single time where you're like is this really gonna work or am I crazy you know like it's very heavy and I think that as his feelings around this act and having to do this keep changing so it's no longer other people doing it for him and him accidentally popping into the future how wonderful it's him having to orchestrate situations where he dies him choosing to die over and over to see Heejin to be with Heejin um, and so again it creates this darkness as the drama progresses and the story itself becomes darker and the stakes become higher and there are scenes in this drama when he you know for instance the talisman gets a little bit damaged and he doesn't know if it's going to work and he's desperate to get back to Heejin and he has to you know for instance hold a fucking sword to his throat and hope to whatever he believes in that he is not about to kill himself for real you know like it's this oh it's so intense um so I loved it I think it's such clever writing um what I hated is that the Gisang dies she she dies very tragically and it's so sad um it makes complete sense in the story but again I hate it because Bungdo is certainly sad at her death but a part of me feels like He's sad because he's so in love with Heejin in the future that he's sad that his talisman no longer works. And this is because, and this isn't his fault. Again, like he's a good dude. Like he's one of the best, goodest hero guys <laughs> I think ever. Like he's not a bad dude who's being callous. And it's just the lay of the land. It's just the way it is. But it, it is very sad to me and it hurts my heart. <laughs> um, so once this poor girl dies, the love that she holds in her heart for him, that she has poured into, you know, her hopes and dreams for his safety and her need for him to be okay is poured into this talisman. And once she dies, the talisman is just like, it doesn't have any power. And Bungdo is stuck. Like he's just stuck in the past. And like, he can't get back. And on top of this, um, Heejin's memories are gone. So this is towards the very end of the drama. And this is like stakes getting, you know, raised up so, so high. So I loved it all. I love the way it kind of unfolds. 
But this is also the thing that gets really interesting for me because I remember reading a lot of, um, I guess, criticism um, by other bloggers or reviewers or whatever. And people really felt that it was too convenient. You know, like, oh, he has a talisman written by some monk and now he can time travel. But now, you know, he can't time travel because the Gisang's dead. And, and now his phone enables him to time travel. So this is what happens, right? At the very end, um, because he's flashed back um, Bungdo into the past with his suit on, like his modern suit, and he's got a mobile phone and he's got, you know, his short haircut now. And he gets into all sorts of trouble and terrible shit happens to him and he ends up rotting away in this prison and he decides to end his life because he he has no hope of ever seeing Heejin again and he cannot fucking bear it. Like it is, oh, it's so full on. So he gets his tie, which is, you know, something that we've seen Heejin lovingly tie around his throat and he does it in a less loving way and sticks it up on the ceiling and he literally tries to kill himself he tries to hang himself in his cell and it's just like oh tears so many tears from me during this scene um and then on the floor by his feet his phone begins to ring and he can see that it is Heejin like she is calling him even though of course his phone doesn't fucking work there's no reception in the past (laughs) but and this is what I think a lot of like reviewers were like what the fuck there is no reception in the past how is this happening like oh convenient magic but I didn't feel like it was convenient magic at all like what the whole thing I think how I interpreted it anyway is that this immense love for another human being is what is saving him it doesn't really matter what the object is that woman believed you know in that talisman she she poured her love into it and this is the geese saying that is how it worked like I don't really feel like it was some monk's magic that did it I feel like it was her heart and her love for him that saved his life and now that she is gone and her magic is gone with her it is Heejin's love for him that in the end at the point of his death saves his life once again and instead of a piece of paper with some writing on it it's a phone and I also think that the writers planted this phone like this connection between them both via phone calls from quite early on in the drama like you know you can watch a whole drama where they barely talk on the phone with each other and in this drama there are a lot of significant moments that occur over the phone throughout the whole show and And I think that those, to me, felt like hints of this object, you know, whether it's a particular phone or just in general, this this being able to call each other via phone calls is, you know, I guess it's, it's almost an expression of their love. It's a way for them to express their love to each other and it becomes a lifeline. So it's just Heejin's love for him used in whatever object, this object that means something to them in their relationship and it saves his life. And so when he answers the phone, he pops back into the future. And again, that was his moment of death. He was about to die. So it always takes great sacrifice to end up time traveling in this show. Um, So personally, I found that, you know, I guess twist. I found that twist of being able to use the phone very very satisfying um I wasn't upset by it at all I mean I understand if people were but for me personally I felt like it really really worked I thought it was really cool and I thought it was really well written and I did feel like it was hinted at or not hinted at but planted throughout the show enough that it didn't feel like a cop-out or a too easy solution for me personally anyway 
Um, so yeah, absolutely loved it. I think that really brings me to the end of my review or discussion on Queen In Hyun's Man. Um, I definitely recommend this drama. It is beautiful and it is romantic and these characters will crawl under your skin. <laughs> I think um, they'll really, really stick with you as they have with me through many rewatches uh, across many, many years. Like it's such a cool show. Um, and I've also got like a really mad long recap almost like I don't want to call it a review it's more like a recap of the entire show um, on my website so you can have a look at that if you if you kind of want to delve in a little bit deep more deeply in terms of the plot and um, you know each stage of the show as it progresses because I kind of like talk about a lot in that review even more than I just did um, so yeah that's it from me uh, on Queen Inhyun's Man <laughs> go watch it So now it is time for my random thing of the week and you guessed it, it is history. Bah, bah, bah. So uh, this drama is obviously a beautiful a fantasy drama, um, but it is based in a real point in history or Bungdo's era is of course um, and all the political kind of shit that's going on in the background in his storyline and all the stuff he's doing, like it's all from history. So Queen Inhyun is probably... I think one of the most famous queens of the Joseon dynasty, like she's probably the first, if not the only queen whose name I know as a non-Korean, um, Korean history fan. Um, so she lived right. Um, in, so she was born in 1667, um, and died in 1701. So that gives you a bit of an idea. Um, so she married King Sukjong. Um, as his second queen consort in 1681 at the age of 14. Blurg. But, you know, back then, that's the way things were. But King Sukjong had a concubine lady or whatever um, called Jung Okjong. So Jung Okjong is very, very famous. And I do find it very interesting. I wonder if this whole situation is a bit of a, you know, history is written by the victors kind of, kind of thing where... I think in not all, but most of the adaptions of this very, very famous story of Queen Inhyun and then Lady Jung. Um, Lady Jung is always portrayed as, frankly, an evil, evil, you know, crazy, horrible, evil lady. And Queen Inhyun is always portrayed or usually portrayed as a very demure, docile, beautiful, loving, wonderful person who's very good. Um, and I do wonder if that's just because in the end, you know, Lady Jung kind of got, she got a little bit executed. Um, but the, basically the story is um, that this courtesan or this concubine, um, Lady Jung, produced a son in 1688 that happened. And that created this huge bloody sort of dispute, uh, dispute and purge of the time. So King Sukjong wanted to give this son, um, he, he wanted to give him the title of crown prince and therefore wanted to promote Lady Jung um, from her position that she's in, which is like, I think not a lot. Um, so basically, I guess, you know, as we've seen in so many different dramas, you have the different factions of the court and they always choose sides, whichever side they think is going to have the power to kind of promote their own interests. And so basically you had half the court behind Lady Jung and half the court behind Queen, Queen Inhyun. But King Sukjong, you know, he really wanted 
this son to get this particular position, which meant that Lady Jung needed to get her own position. Um, so he gets really pissed off and he banishes Queen Inhyun and she is sent out into exile. But it's very, very, so she gets deposed, like she's no longer a queen. Um, and then he raises Lady Jung up. Um, but sometime later, he, you know, apparently randomly felt really bad about it so he decided to renege his order and um, bring back Queen Inhyun and then everything goes to shit and in the end um, Queen Inhyun dies but also then Lady Jung gets executed and there is speculation that Queen Inhyun um, you know she was only 34 and there's speculation that she was poisoned um, and obviously people think maybe it was Lady Jung so it's just like this mad sort of oh very sad really isn't it when you think about it um but that's probably why you shouldn't have multiple wives at one point i guess is that the moral of that story i don't know um but yeah it's very interesting i'm just going to read out this little bit of things so this is after queen inhyun has died of an unknown disease some sources say that she was poisoned um so it has been said that suk jong the king while mourning for queen inhyun dreamed of her in a sobok dress drenched with blood Sukjong asked Queen Inhyun of how she died, but Inhyun didn't say anything, but pointed in the direction of Jung, Lady Jung's chambers. Sukjong awoke, then went into Lady Jung's chambers. While approaching, he heard music and sounds of laughter, eavesdropping. He saw, you know, Lady Jung hanging out with a shamanist priestess and talking about Queen Inhyun's death and like, you know, through magic causing Queen Inhyun to die of poison or whatever. So when this was discovered by Sukjong, Lady Jung was executed for her actions by poison. Um, and what is true is that one of the queen's ladies-in-waiting wrote a book, which is very interesting. I didn't know that. Queen Inhyun's story, which still exists today. So you can read that. I think it's really interesting because I think history has really pitted Lady Jong against Queen Inhyun, when realistically... It sounds like to me that King Sukjong is the guy who's the total asshole, who's just like, you know, demoting and promoting and then re-promoting and just moving his millions of wives around. And, you know, obviously they're going to get used in political power struggles. Um, so he sounds like the guy who was pretty uncool, if you ask me. And um, it sounds like both of those women were probably just pawns in you know a horrible little fucking life that they had to live so very sad actually um that was a bit of a downer wasn't it sorry guys <laughs> but that's history for you it's a downer <laughs> Now it is time for my something that I'm loving this week and something that I've been thinking about, about a lot and loving this week has been the idea of finding joy in very, very small things. Something that I always return to when life is hard or overwhelming or stressful. So I made a little list of things that make me happy and I thought I would read them out because why not? These are the things that I'm loving this week. So cat fur, how it feels on your fingertips. Um, my writing space, I have this beautiful desk that belonged to my great grandmother who was a writer as well. And it's, you know, quite special and beautiful. And I feel really grateful that I have my own writing space so that I can do these things that I love to do. I'm very, very lucky. I'm grateful for the people that I love and you know, the people that love me. Um, 
I like to go to the beach at dusk. I think it's really beautiful at twilight when everything is kind of shrouded in blue light. I like going walking. Um, I like it when it's windy. That's my favorite. And I particularly love the sound of wind in the trees or through rushes um, or, you know, river reeds. I think that's really beautiful. I really like the winter and I like the cold. Um, I really like um, going to the library and borrowing big stacks of books and I like reading and stories and of course I like K-drama. It helps me sometimes to strip everything back to the small things that make life worth living. There is always beautiful things to find and it's nice to remember what they are and feel grateful for their existence sometimes.